and welcome to our Be Inspired series. In our series, we speak to CEOs, founders and senior leaders of companies on London listed markets and ask them to share their journey with us. I'm Joe Trapp. I look after Spark Live at the London Stock Exchange and I'm here with Mark Smithson, CEO of Mark's Electricals, which IPO'd in November 2021. And we're standing here today at your eight acre, 200,000 square foot HQ in Leicester. Spot on, Joe. Yeah, you are. Welcome. Yeah, Sonny you. Lester, nice to meet you. How are you? Yeah, great, thank you. You IPO'd the business in November 2021 and you started in 1987 selling secondhand cookers out of your father's yeah, garage. Spot on, yeah. So February the 2nd, 1987, I used to go out, I, I sold my car, bought an old van. I used to go out after work, buy these old cookers, um, you know, clean them up. I had a caustic soda tank, I used to do it in the, uh, the garage at the side of my dad's house and I'd sell them in the paper. Uh, I was trying to be a surveyor at the time. I packed my job in, um, and it was a bit of a big step to go and open a shop up. So I opened this shop up, and someone actually bought something off me the first day. I was terrified when I opened the shop up, but that was a long, long time ago, obviously. Now I'm 56. Um, and it's been a, you know, a fascinating journey, great fun. And now here we are listed on the London Stock Exchange. And how did you find the IPO process? Oh, it was really daunting. I mean, it, it sort of, it goes back, Initially, you know, I decided I could build the business on my own. I was slightly misguided thinking I could do it totally on my own, um, but I didn't want any partners. Um, I got the, the bank on my case all the time on a daily basis, which was rather a nightmare. Um, you see that horse running down the beach and that was not the case. <laughs> I thought it was the bank manager chasing me down the beach. I then managed to, I sold some shops um, about two and a half years ago and it gave me quite a bit of extra cash and I put that into the business. Um, I'd never really taken lots out, but I put this, it was nearly a million pounds in cash into the business. I got some credit notes that were owed to us as well. The accountant advised me at the time to take the money and, and run almost-ish. <laughs> I thought, you know what? No, I believe in this business. I built it up. I started it off when I was 21 years old and I'm going to push and drive it. Um, so I'm going to reinvest that money back into more stock, which I'm so glad I did do. Having that extra cash in the business, it showed me that I could actually push well, not necessarily follow your dream, but push the business to, to the levels I knew I could get to. Um, and I was always short of stock. I never had quite the right lines in stock. And our business is all built about next day delivery, free next day delivery, seven days a week. So you need some of that product in stock. If you've not got it in stock, you know, you, can, you can't really take the order. Or you do if someone's in a, got a specific request for a certain product. But ours is all about have it in stock and deliver it tomorrow mm -hmm. on our own fleet of vehicles. And I've always done that. It's that I never had enough money to invest in all the right SKUs, the, the right stock, mm. um, whereas now we have. Mm. So we went from having, say, three and a half million in stock to almost 17 million. Mm. Order it before six, you get it tomorrow. And that's seven days away. And that's a real USP. And having everyone under one roof on this site in Leicester, our HQ, it makes a massive difference. So you can, you know, you probably say, I'll walk around the warehouse. Hi, Pete. Hi, Steve. What are you doing? <laughs> Why have you loaded those like that? Why are you not doing it this way? So... It's a real key part of the business, all being under one roof. But having that cash, it showed me that what I could actually do with driving the business to where I wanted to get to. But then I looked at maybe getting some PE money, private equity money. So I thought about that and I thought, I actually don't want any partners as such. Yeah. Um, go to the bank and ask for more money. Well, I just got rid of them. So discarded PE, um, discarded partners. And I thought, you know what? A friend of mine said, you should float your business. I was like, okay. I looked into it and thought, you know what? It, very, very daunting. I thought, how, how on earth am we going to go about that? I mean, the, the real yeah. key is getting a great CFO, which we've got. I've got Josh. Yeah. But the key 
to having a CFO is one who's very good with investor relations. And I would never have known about that. You know, you just think that the floating a company is sort of the sort of thing that Lord so-and-so does and his son might go to market because his dad knows how mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. But it's nowhere near as difficult as you think it is. It's just a very daunting um, thought that you've got to do it. But you've got to apply yourself. You've got to listen to people. When they tell you something, you've got to understand it and ask, go back and ask questions why. Um, but if you start off with a great CFO, one who's got um, a lot of experience in IR, investor relations, that is a real key part of this business. You then go and select your broker, the banker yeah. that's going to float your bank. So you have to go through the process of picking which bank you want to go with. And they're all very similar on the, the rates that they're offering. You could do a bit of negotiation with them as you, as you can with anybody. <laughs> um, so I got what I thought was a, de a decent-ish deal. And it is quite a complex process because they know the right people to go and sell your business to. Yeah. And what did you learn from the IPO process? It taught me how, how to run a business. It gave us discipline. Um, going through that, it taught me the things that we weren't doing properly in the business. I mean, I thought our business was brilliant, but now it's a mega business and it's, and it's future-proof. So going back to the original question about half an hour ago when you asked <laughs> me, like, why did you float? The reason for it was... You know, I spent 35 years building this business. I wanted to build a business that would last forever. You know, I always thought I could get to 500 million revenue or more. Um, I got the business model in mind. I knew what I wanted to do, but I hadn't got the cash to do it. So that was the real reason why we actually floated. Um, part of the fact you get some money as well. <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was fine before we floated. You know, the money thing doesn't necessarily change you. It just makes life easier. And that was always a big problem for me, the fact that... I'd, I was always battling with the bank and suppliers. So it'd be having flash sales every weekend to try and get some cash in the bank to pay suppliers. And it was just difficult. Whereas now, everything's all done in a fashion. It's a lot more orderly. Your cash flow patterns are all worked out properly. Your stock's forecasted properly. Whereas I was putting out one fire over here and a fire over there. And I'd one minute I'd be working on the warehouse, then it'd be on the buying, then it'd be on the selling, then it'd be customer service, then it's on the sales team, then the driver. So you literally go from one to another, whereas now yeah. we've got all these professional people that work for us, which is the real thing I didn't realise when you float your business, the massive benefit you get, mm -hmm. is that you can attract some real key talent to your business. And I love doing it, and, um, and it's great fun. I'd yeah. recommend anyone thinking about listing yeah. to, to go for it. You're only here once. <laughs> you certainly are. It's a great <laughs> message. And how do you find running a public company versus a private company? Um, more interesting. You know, you're learning things that you would never, ever have learned. I mean, I could have carried on um, just running the business and doing very well, having a nice lifestyle, but you want, to, want it to last forever. That, that was what I wanted to do. I don't want to think I've spent all those years and then you put people in charge who aren't that bothered. It, or, well, they're bothered, but not as bothered as they actually should be. Um, but running a, a, a PLC is great fun because everybody's driven with the same. They need to hit the same sales targets, margins, etc., etc., all the KPIs. Um, the people you meet, the bankers and so, like yourself and all, all the people you would never have met normally yeah. who you thought were, you know, like the untouchables. You know, I'm a lad from Leicester. <laughs> um, just started off in a semi-detached house. That's where we used to live. So, yeah. you know, and here you are running a PLC. So it yeah. just proves anyone can do it as long as you apply yourself. Great. And um, you mentioned earlier um, about uh, how Josh put in place an IR strategy for you and you touched upon Josh's um, yeah. experience as a CFO. Yeah. Um, how much time now do you devote to your um, institutional shareholders and 
um, um, IR meetings? Well, we're always available. You know, we always say to anybody, any meeting, if you want to ring me up on my mobile and talk to me, that's fine. And hardly any of them ever do. So <laughs> it's probably, you probably think that more people will be asking you questions. I mean, because we're doing well, you're obviously going to get less questions, aren't you? It's when yeah. things are becoming tough, I would imagine you get more questions. Hopefully I'll never get to that point. <laughs> but no doubt that's when my phone will start burning. Yeah. Um, but you, you really don't have to dedicate that much time. It's, but you do have to look after the people that you put in place mm -hmm. and just make sure they're, they're doing what they should be doing. But if everyone's KPI'd, they all know how many vehicles should be going out, how many products should be going out on each vehicle, how long each vehicle should be on the road for, and, and just put all these things in place for everybody, your age stock, et cetera, et cetera. It's all things you should be doing anyway in a business, but you neglect when you're a private business. Mm -hmm. um, so we, now we've got these people in place. I, I spend more time looking after them, but not a lot of time because yeah. they're very intelligent people. They don't need me breathing down the neck every five minutes. Um, but like the investors, if they want to talk to us, talk, talk to me or Josh, you know, it, it isn't really as time consuming as you would think. Mm -hmm. People probably scare you by telling you you'll be forever spending time talking to investors, but that's not the case. You get the right investors, so they're not there just for three months and sell it. Because mm -hmm. we, we don't want anyone like that. You want, I know you need liquidity in your share value, but you actually need the right investors in your business who are there for the long run, who don't just want to look for a, a, a quick buck. Yeah. And you spoke about your, um, your employees. Um, how many of those are shareholders? And um, was that important to you? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I thought, you know, give them all £3,000 worth of shares <laughs> each. So, so I had about 150 em employees. Um, now we've got just over 200, Joe. But yeah, you know, you're giving people a part of the business and all of a sudden you've got 150 managers running around the building, which is great. Yeah. They're all like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And, <laughs> and it's nice having people. So you're helping everyone, aren't you? Not just yourself. And that is very important yeah. with whatever you do, isn't it? Absolutely. Treat people the way you wish to be treated. Absolutely. And then just touching upon your retail shareholder base, how yeah. do you manage communications with retail shareholders? Yeah, I mean, we've done a few uh, webinars where you get, say, 30-odd people or yeah. more on a webinar. And it, that's quite interesting. You know, they've all got questions to ask you. If you're in touch with your business, which you should be when you're running a PLC, mm -hmm. you know all the numbers. So anyone can ask you anything. And it's fine. You sit there and go through your, your deck, your presentation that yeah. you've got. You work together. So Josh, predominantly, he works on it because he's the yeah. expert at that. And then he'll <laughs> say, what about this, Mark? And we, we go through it and discuss it. And it's not as hard as you think. Like, again, it's, you should know all this stuff anyway. It's your business. You built it. Mm -hmm. If you're parachuted in, it's a lot harder, I would imagine. Yeah. But luckily, I'll start it. So I, you can answer most of the, all, all the questions. So ESG is obviously very important to you. And we're standing in this very impressive warehouse. And I notice over there in the corner, there's a section where you recycle all the cardboard and all the yeah. packaging from that's the day. Yeah, that's right, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it's very important to us. I mean, I never, I mean, we were doing that before we floated the company. Yeah. So it's just something that was great to be doing already. Yeah. And so I just I always apply logic to everything, or most things, I should say. And I thought, you know, when you're delivering a product, you want to take away the old packaging, which includes the polystyrene, the polythene, the cardboard, the strapping. So all those things, and then recycle them all with your own equipment, which is what we do. That's what all that recycling kit over there is, but it's, yeah. it's not wearing away like it normally. So they've actually got it all nice and tidy <laughs> and swept up, which is great. But it's just doing the right thing for the environment anyway, isn't it? 
Yeah. You know, you should be thinking about these things and not have someone tell you that you need to do it. You should just go off and think, right, what would the customer like me to do? Well, okay, they'd like me to take away all the packaging and recycle it properly. Yeah. So it's very important to us and it's something that we should all be, you know, fully aware of and be responsible for recycling it all properly and effectively and it saves the customer a problem and, you know, they're happy they've got the newer plants and all the rubbish has gone, the old product's gone as well. So it's all taken away from them and we dispose of it all and sell it on to third parties who then use it again, you know, and, and the packaging's all resold again for more appliances, which is great. And who inspires you both professionally and personally? Ooh, interesting questions. Um, a very close friend of mine I've known for 38 years who had been battling cancer for six and a half years. Um, someone like that who is, still remains positive and when you get out of bed and you start moaning and complaining about things, and this friend of mine has never, ever complained about anything, which I do think about all the time, and also said to me, your job is to make at least one person smile every day. Yeah. Which, it might sound a bit cheesy, but it's true. You know, you've got to treat people the way you wish to be treated. And it's Absolutely. made me wind my neck in over quite a lot of things. When I think about that, you need to be you know, nicer to people rather than just shouting at people. You know, no one deliberately does a bad job. It's, and sometimes I think I perhaps go over the top a bit, but then thinking about things like that makes you just calm down a little bit and, and treat people in a, the way they wish to, should be treated. Um, Josh is an inspiration. Um, I've never met anyone who works as hard as him. And people who put themselves into training courses, for example, there was an, an incident the other day. I was walking through our warehouse and one of the young lads who started when he was, I think it was about 18 years old here, and he was being pushed and shoved around a bit within the business, in, in the warehouse, because he was in the, quite a hostile environment. And um, he always used to walk around with his head down a bit and I was just trying to big him up and, come on, son, you know, you're doing a great job, well done. Anyway, I saw him on the forklift the other day and I, walked, I was walking towards him and he stopped the forklift, jumped off it. Oh, oh, I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah, how, how are we doing? It's, uh, and he said, this job is the best job I've ever had. He said, I know I've not had many jobs, but I absolutely love it. And he'd done 200 hours this particular month. And he said, look at this. He took himself out after work and got on a training course to learn how to install appliances. So he jumped off the forklift, showing me the car, this new Mercedes he was going to buy. <laughs> it's only a young lad. And um, seeing things like that, you're actually giving someone a, a position within your business and the opportunity yeah. to, to better themselves. You know, he's off, off the local estate. Yeah. Reese, young man. Yeah. You know, and it's great to see people like that. It, I just love it. And that, that's what gets you out of bed in the morning, thinking that you've got people that you're helping. Yeah. And Absolutely. I love doing that. And that's the best thing about running a big business. You know, it's not all about me. Yeah. <laughs> it's about your business, isn't it? And the people that work within your business and you want them to all flourish. Absolutely. No, that's a really great ethos and really great story. Finally, um, as a CEO, what keeps you awake at night? Selling more. <laughs> that's it. I was, just want to sell more. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. You've definitely made us smile today. You think so? Thanks, Joe. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. You can find more on the Be Inspired series at lsegissuerservices.com forward slash spark. <laughs>